global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Charlie Pellet. We have got 13 minutes to go ahead of the close on a Monday, first trading day of August. The Dow and S&P are lower. NASDAQ is higher. S&P 500 index retreating from a fresh intraday record as falling crude prices spark a deepening sell-off in energy shares. Right now, ExxonMobil is down 3.6%. Chevron down 3.6% as well. West Texas Intermediate crude at $40 a barrel, down 3.9%. Gold up 280 the ounce to 1355, a gain of two tenths of 1%. Tenure down 1630 seconds at yield 1.50%. The S&P down three to 2170, a drop there of two tenths of 1%. The Dow down 34, also a drop of two tenths of 1%. NASDAQ up 21, a gain of four tenths of 1%. I'm Charlie Pellet, and that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. You're listening to Taking Stock with Pim Fox and Kathleen Hayes on Bloomberg Radio. Oil, oil at uh, 40 bucks a barrel, wasn't it well above 50, heading for 60, supposedly dipping below that key $40 level, a big factor weighing on the stock market today. We want to step back, though, and take a broader look. It is early August. We have a couple more Fed meetings ahead of us. We have a jobs report on Friday. We have a big, big, big presidential election with so many issues at stake. How do you put it all together to come out with a forecast for this year heading into 2017? Phil Orlando joins us now. He's chief equity market strategist. He's Group head of the macro balance and growth income teams for Federated Investors here in New York City. Welcome back, Phil. It's great to have you. Kathleen, always a pleasure to be your guest. Well, you know, just where are we? You know, we had a couple months where it was all about oil. That seemed to recede. The Fed's been headlines back and forth. You know, in your heart, in your gut, where are we? It's all about everything. Uh, I mean, So you can throw the ramifications of Brexit into there as well, corporate earnings, the Fed, interest rates. There are probably a half a dozen things that you've got to focus on simultaneously. And where we are, uh, and we've been dead wrong, is that we're scared to death right here. Uh, The market up here at, at, you know, record highs is, is, is extended. We're trading at 22 times trailing earnings. We're at 19 times this year's earnings. Uh, and you've got nothing but what we think uh, are headwinds on the, you know, horizon across the valley. And so we're sitting here with sort of a cautious, neutralish position with a, a dividend-centric portfolio to protect us while we're waiting for some clarity. And the market just keeps going higher. And and you know, at our at our meeting today, we were talking about how this reminds us. Uh, my boss told the story of how his parents fired him as their advisor in the latter stages of the tech bubble in the 98-99 period. And he was mortified. And his mother was like, well, son, I, I know you're trying your best, but but this just isn't working. We're going to invest in some of these Internet stocks and that kind of thing. And obviously that didn't work out so good. But, uh, you know, this is sort of what it reminds us. All right. If that reminds you of uh, 1998, 1999, and the uh, the bursting of the of the tech bubble, what does consumer spending now remind you of? Consumer spending is actually in decent shape, and and so th- that that disastrous GDP report we saw on Friday, the one glimmer that came out of that is that consumer spending was pretty good. 
up 4.2%. And then you say, okay, well, why was consumer spending pretty good? Retail sales the last three months have been have been fine. Uh, the first quarter was terrible. The second quarter was much better. And, and that's good because we're now into the early stages of back-to-school season, which is critically important. And then historically, there's like an 80 to 90% historical correlation between the success or failure of back-to-school and the success or failure of holiday. And holiday and back-to-school are the two most important seasons of the year. So from the consumer standpoint, we're feeling pretty good about things. Now, CapEx... And manufacturing is a, is a very different story for, for a number of reasons. We, we thought we were getting to a bottom of the manufacturing cycle because the dollar was starting to weaken and, and oil prices were starting to strengthen. But now post Brexit, you know, over the last five or six weeks, the dollar strengthened five or six percent against the euro. Oil prices are down 20 percent. And now folks are starting to say, well, wait a second, you know, um, should we be rethinking what our earnings assumptions on for this year or maybe our earnings assumption for 2017 because the 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 two bedrock issues that we were using to support our thesis for a stronger 2017 are moving in the wrong direction uh and so some of the data points we've seen factory orders durable goods cap goods sales that those numbers have have gotten a little sloppy of late so sloppy of late uh oil I just do want your, your quick take on oil, yeah. too, because, you know, this is it's got so many it, it manages energy companies. It's also kind of a global macro signal, isn't it? Well, we've had uh, we've had a pretty good call on oil. So so we think twenty six dollars that we saw in the first quarter is the bottom. And as we started to bounce off of that, what we saw were a series of one offs that took about three and a half million barrels a day off the market. Uh, Libya, Venezuela, uh, the Canadian wildfires, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And, and so it looked to us as if there was going to be sort of an unsustainable move up in oil. And, and that move went up to about 52 bucks. And our thought was, okay, we've extended ourselves. This move is going to come back into the high thirties. We, we, you know, sort of thought something 38, $39 is about right. And I guess we're down to about 41 ish or so now. So we're moving in the right direction. Um, and that underpinned part of our caution on what earnings look like for next year. The the bulls are saying, oh, we're going to do $135 in S&P earnings next year. I, I don't think there's any chance we do $135 in earnings if, if oil's going in the wrong direction and the dollar's going in the wrong direction. So something, you know, in the buck and a quarter neighborhood seems a lot more reasonable. And even at that, we're trading now at about 17 and a half times next year's earnings, which again seem a little rich to me given some of the issues on the horizon, not the least of which are the risks from Brexit, the Fed, and, and, uh, and the election. Let me ask you about government spending because you note that that has slipped and it accounts for about 17% of total GDP. Yeah. Yeah. So, so there, there were four elements of that report, uh, on, on Friday, the GDP report that, that were, were horrible. Uh, uh, government spending, it wasn't horrible, but it was negative. Uh, government, uh, d- spending on defense at the federal level was down. Uh, state and, and local spending was down as well. So, you know, you, you would think that the government would be trying to prop up the economy here, sort of prettying things up for the election, but, you know, at least for one quarter that didn't happen. Uh, you know, CapEx was, was, was terrible. Housing was, wasn't great. Um, you know, so there were, there were a number of issues that, that were, were problematic. The only thing, as I said, that really stood out and looked great was the consumer. The consumer is in pretty good shape, but th- these other elements of the report, you know, don't point a particularly good picture. I mean, the GDP run rate 
coming out of the Great Recession is is 2.1%. Trendline growth in the United States over the last half century or so is is about 3.1%. So we're running below trendline. And and the NBER tells us, National Bureau of Economic Research, that that given the, the, the depth of the recession that we came out of, we, we probably ought to be somewhere between 4 and 5% right now. So GDP growth you know, depending upon your point of view, is probably limping along at about half speed. And and that's not a great place to be. So if the Fed Reserve says there's actually still a chance of September hike, I mean, and I think if you push that person, I think it was Rob Kaplan who said that, he'd say, well, of course, that's that's if the data pick up. That's if we have two months of strong jobs. Absent that, though, um, no move in September, maybe no move in December, Phil? Well, our call's been December, but but this is a, an interesting situation because when you've got a guy like John Hilsenrath at the Journal writing articles that the Fed's thinking about September, you've got to believe that they're legitimately thinking about September. So why might September be on the table for the Fed? The labor market has picked up. Uh, both isms have picked up. Uh, retail sales, uh, as we talked about a moment ago, have been much stronger uh, over the last quarter or so. So the uh, uh, even inflation, not not the core PCE, but the PPI and the CPI have picked up over the last couple of months as well. So the key metrics that the Fed's looking at have been pretty good. But there's another aspect to this, separate and apart from the GDP miss that we saw on Friday, and that is the proximity to the election. We've done the work on this. Uh, and we've gone back over the last half century or so and have determined that the Fed, in between Labor Day and the election, in presidential election years, would prefer not to be involved in changing monetary policy if they can avoid it. They'll preload uh, changes uh, before Labor Day. They'll, they'll give us a bunch of changes after the election, but they'd like to keep that two-month period in between clean unless they absolutely have to act. And right now... I, you know, our sense is that the Fed doesn't have to act. So unless something, you know, happens to the data significantly one way or the other, our best guess is the Fed is probably on hold into the December FOMC meeting. Got any thoughts on investing in gold? You know, the price of gold is up more than 20% so far this year. Yeah, and, and you know, uh, we looked at this. Uh, in the environment, the, 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 the post-Brexit world, uh, the dis- concern about the Fed, the concern about you know, who's going to win the election and what kind of fiscal policies are we looking at? In that environment, there were three havens that made sense to us, uh, uh, long treasuries, uh, long dollar, and, and long gold. And, and gold is doing well, and it probably ought to have a place in your portfolio as a, as a hedge of safety here. Thanks very much. Phil Orlando is the chief equity strategist at Federated Investors giving us his outlook for the stock market and what to do with your money. We're going to take you through to the close next. I'm Pim Fox, my co-host Kathleen Hayes. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg.